JV Knowledge Podcast Network. On episode 54 of the InsureTech Geek Podcast, talking about reinventing life insurance for the modern consumer with Jamie Hale from Ladder. The InsureTech Geek Podcast, powered by JB Knowledge, is all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. We'll be interviewing guests and doing deep dives into specific tech we see changing the industry. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. Tell you what, uh, Rob, it's this time of year in Texas, <sighs> springtime, low 70s, beautiful blue skies, <laughs> smells like low taxes in the air, you know, it's great. <laughs> it's just fantastic over here. What a great state to be living in. Uh, <sighs> no more ice storms, no more power outages. It's almost like it's a distant memory, like it never happened, but it did happen. That's okay. We're going to talk about tech today rob how you doing over there in san antonio i'm doing good yeah you're right um beautiful spring weather as always i've not seen any blue bonnets out yet so that's nope. kind of i don't nope. know if the freeze may have killed them off or not freeze but, killed uh, them. otherwise springtime for sure texans are if you don't know this we are obsessed with our wildflowers oh really yeah yes we are absolutely obsessed with our wildflowers this is been something that that's been going on for a very long time. A long time ago, they started seeding wildflowers on all, all the state highways around Texas, and mm -hmm. so every year in springtime, it's either a blue bonnet year or an Indian paintbrush year. It's either blue or red every ah. year, and then there's a little sprigs of yellow that come up in between them. And everybody takes their kids out and they park very unsafely on the side of the highway, and they <laughs> they 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 they, they traipse their children into the middle of a field of blue bonnets and hope they don't run across any snakes. And then they sit their kids down in this bed of blue bonnets and you know it's just you're not a kid in texas if your parents haven't hauled you out to a field of blue bonnets and taken a picture of you and unfortunately we all we all knew this was a possibility when that freeze came it don't kill the blue bonnets this year <laughs> there, there's there is i mean right now it, the, the 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 hillside should be solid blue right now and they're not so a little uh, little 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 tear a little sad but that's okay <laughs> with, with us we have a uh, californian dude not really he's not really californian but he lives in california I, I I've been here 20 years, got four kids. I can tell all four seasons. Yeah. I think well, he, I think that yeah. has like declares me a Californian. Yeah, and your tax rate declares you a Californian. <laughs> so, you know, he pays 13.3% of his income to the state of California. He can say he's a Californian. Soon to be 16% I hear, so congratulations on that. <laughs> and uh, we're glad to have you on the show. We're going to talk about uh, not tax rates, but technology. We're going to talk about tech. All right. We're just going to geek right. out on tech. And it. all things insurance. You got two giant insurance nerds on the show. We we love talking about insurance and insurance tech. And well, um, count, count me in, man. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll join the nerd club. Yeah, right. Absolutely. It's 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 fun. I talk about uh, a, a massive industry and how it can change. Before we get started with that discussion, just remind you out there if you're watching this video on Twitter or Facebook or uh, Vimeo, you can subscribe to the InsureTech Geek Podcast by texting Geek Out to six six eight six six and make sure you never miss an episode. Just Geek Out to six six eight six six. Back to Jamie Hale from Ladder. Jamie, good to have you on the show today. Thanks. It's really great to it's really great to be here. 
Yeah. And uh, glad things are, are improving in California and Texas and everywhere, right? It's amazing. Yeah. Vaccines work. They do. They do. Uh, Texas opens on Monday to everyone that wants a vaccine will be able to get one. Oh, that's of course, great. Most that's good. Uh, we're, we're, we're April 15th. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. We, we, uh, it, it, for us, it's Monday and we've already, they've already done 8 million or so doses so far here in Texas out of our 26 million people. So the, the rates are down in the basement and, and, you know, all the, of course, all the regulations are gone. They've, they've, the state removed every reg that we had on it. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it almost feels a little bit like normal. My daughter made an interesting observation. She's, she's 11. We were, she's about to turn 11 next week. And we okay. were on the tramp, we were on the trampoline. And we were thinking like a year ago, Jamie, if we were just a week into the quarantine and we all thought it'd be a few weeks to bend the curve, right? Remember that six weeks? Yeah, flatten the curve. The curve. Flatten the curve, whatever it was. And yeah. of course that ended up being complete bull crap, right? Like it, it, it ended up being a year that we had to, to really modify everything. And uh, we had so much fun though, staying home, my two daughters and I and my wife, we'd we just had so much fun. We just, we, we played a Lego. You can see the Lego city we did. I learned how to play guitar. I, I trained for a triathlon. I did a, I did all kinds of stuff. And my daughter, we were bouncing on the trampoline yesterday, Jamie. And she, where she's bouncing, you know, she said, dad, isn't it funny how humans want what they can't have? And I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, well, last year when we couldn't go anywhere, we played all the time. And now that we can go wherever we want, we just watch TV. And I was like, I was like, man, that's some that's some deep, deep stuff because, you know, people are just back to watching TV now. It's a weird deal, man. But, you know, the last year been really impactful in the business community on you know, insurance. We've, we've seen mm -hmm. insurance rates go through the roof. The whole market hardened. Investment returns came way down, right? Because mm -hmm. rates came way down. Yep. Premiums went way up. Claims went way up in certain areas. Auto got caught in a huge debacle because they gave out a bunch of uh, refunds and then they got nailed on severity. Yeah. And I mean, it was just a wackadoo year in insurance. You are co-founder and CEO of Ladder. That's ladderlife.com, which is kind of reinventing life, term life insurance. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Yeah. I want to I talk with you about what happened with life insurance in the last year? Because life is sure. not something, you know, Rob and I are PNC guys. Life is not something that we really cover a lot, but we'll, I want to talk yeah. about life and how that got, how that got impacted. Before I talk about yeah. that, I want to talk, Let's I talk, talk about that. Because yeah, it's very talk, different than what happened in PNC. Yes, very different. It has to be, right? I did not see my, I did not see life rates materially change. I mean, no. I, you know, so it was a very, very different deal. But let's talk about you for a second. You, I want to hear where were you born and raised? I know you went yep. to, uh, but you went, you went to Bowden College. College. Yeah. Bo I'm sorry, Bowden up College. I'm sorry. Up in Maine. But Bo Bowden up in Maine. I'm so sorry. I, I said it wrong twice oh. now. You went to Bowden. B-O-W-D-O-I-N. Bowden College up in Maine. Then you went to Harvard. Yeah, you went to Harvard for business school. You and I were in Cambridge at the same very same time in 1999. Yeah, well, oh, dude, summer 99. Average temperature summer '99 was like 56, 57 degree. It was a very cool <laughs> summer, and uh, for, it was the first time I ever went to Fenway and sat by the Green Monster and oh, saw I mean, just, oh, just magic. magic. And you know, you, you ended up with a really diverse career. But wh where where did you grow up, and and what what did you think you wanted to do when you were a kid? So, great question. I grew up outside of Boston in the western suburbs. Born and raised. My whole extended family is actually originally from Maine. Uh, which is where, you know, we'd go up in the summers and one of the summers we went up and, and toured Bowdoin and just fell in love, small liberal arts, liberal arts school. And, and, you know, just 
So born and raised outside of Boston, went to Fen- we used to take the tea in to Fenway Park all the time. Got to see the Celtics play in the old garden, which was which was really 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 fun. And then you know I I didn't quite know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Right, I went to a liberal arts school and I you know studied philosophy and studied math and did some science and any ended up actually starting my career on Wall Street. So graduated and went down, started my career on Wall Street, worked there for a couple of years, came out and opened up an office in San Francisco and fell in love with San Francisco. Just loved it out here. It was a very dynamic, very, very dynamic market. And this was back a long time ago. So then left and went back to business school. So I spent two years back in Boston at business school and really just fell in love with technology, innovation, what was happening, and what was happening really in the digitization of finance. So my second year of grad school, I actually spent flying back and forth each week working for actually for a startup during my second year. Worked for a company called NextCard, where they were the first uh, people to pioneer instant credit online for credit cards. So back where you can actually underwrite someone instantly, give them a credit card number right away and have them start charging that moment. This is back before you had to, you know, either fill out those old paper apps you used to saw it, see like you'd be sitting up like on like a, like store like store counters you'd fill fill those out for, for credit cards. That was great. It was, it was Sequoia Kleiner backed IPO had a really had a really exciting run. And a lot of what's happening in personal line finance 25 years ago is now happening in personal line insurance today. But I did not grow up as an insurance as an insurance fan, but I was I was a beneficiary. My dad died when I was 11, and uh, we had a life insurance policy, and it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Kept me, my mom, and my brother in our home, around our friends, and in our community during like a terrible time. So it, my dad couldn't, you know, affect his death, but could affect the financial impact it had on our lives. And he went out there and bought a life insurance policy. It was an act of love, like he didn't benefit from it, but he made sure we were really protected, and that kept us in our home, helped pay for Bowdoin, helped pay for Harvard Business School, and had a massively redeeming role in my life. When I was thinking about, you know, what's next, I was thinking if I can take this incredibly great product, modernize it, like that's going to be something that I'm just going to be so excited and, de- and delighted that I could have an impact on. So, so that's what I'm working, that's what we're working on here at Ladder. So Ladder story is a little bit intertwined with my personal story. Well, I mean, as as almost every entrepreneur's story is, right? I mean, you you tend to be attracted to things that you're personally passionate about. It makes sense that you'd be passionate about this. I'm, of course, very sorry for the early loss of your father. It's so tough losing a parent that early in your life it has a deep impact on the rest of your life. But it certainly, it taught you a very valuable lesson about about a financial product that literally saves families. You know, it's a, it's a big deal. So it's, it's a really big deal to not have to worry about money when probably the primary breadwinner in the house passes away. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's really tough. And so you, you, you saw that and you, you brought a really interesting point of how early financial services was to this game of yeah. instant underwrite, instant bind. Now, it, yep. again, financial and insurance are so closely intertwined. I mean, the sure. insurance insurance originally was just a bottom recontract. It was a, it was a, it was a loan that was forgivable if the asset was lost. Marine insurance was the first real insurance sure. with the Babylonians, right? So it, it makes sense that we would mirror the financial services industry. To me, it's just surprising that it's taken so damn long 
to mirror them <laughs> when when really the 90s is when they pioneered the use of vast troves yeah. of data on individuals to underwrite mm -hmm. the credit risk immediately right mm -hmm. yep. yeah, yeah it's it's, it's, so it's amazing right it, i can get a million dollar mortgage easier and faster than i can get a life insurance policy man that's crazy like that's just amazing to me right it's yeah, around a home it's a complex sale i'm in escrow mm -hmm. so i can do it in five minutes yep but for me for a lot of individual lines it's just way harder so there's a lot of reasons why but you know old technology and kind of old business practices they are hard to change so there's a lot of smart yeah. good people in the industry who are trying hard but i just have the luxury of starting with a clean sheet of paper so i don't have to change anything i had to build from the ground up in brand new beautiful ways that power some really unique capabilities so from 2000 to 2015 you were at oak yeah. hill and then at aldenwood were yep. you were you acting as a, a venture capitalist or, or growth equity or what 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 stage were you investing in? What type of companies yeah. were you investing in there? Invested in a lot of early stage companies and then also did some later stage investments. And and Oak Hills actually has has Texas connections, so we spent a lot of time in Fort Worth. So spent a lot of time traveling back and forth. One of my favorite cities in Texas, and of course home of one of my favorite Mexican restaurants, Joe T. Garcia's over in the Fort Worth Stockyards. Been there multiple times. Love it. They serve two things there. Two things. <laughs> enchiladas, really and, good. enchiladas and fajitas, and that's it. That's all you're going to get. I mean, it's like, where's the menu? You don't need a menu. There's two things. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> so Fort Worth is awesome if you haven't been there to our listeners and listener land. So the, the origin story of Ladder, certainly you had personal experience with life insurance, but what, yep. what, what were the conditions that came together in 2015 to form Ladder? Sure. So one of my co-founders, Jeff Merkel, was uh, we've been friends for a long time. He was uh, leaving Google, been there for a while, had a really great run. So, you know, he he has three awesome boys and was like, as he's leaving Google, was figuring out like his whole financial life. And one of the things you need to do was get life insurance. So I'm a little bit the, the person a lot of friends will turn to and talk to about financial stuff. So we talked about it and told them what a great story it is, you know, what a great product it is. And he came back to me after trying to just go buy a life insurance bus. Literally, I sent him out, go buy it. Right? He, he knew he needed it, wanted to buy it. And he came back. He's like, this is unbelievably hard. I got to sit through all these timeshare sales pitches. I can't just buy it. Like, why is that? So it was, it was a really provocative question that made me sit back and actually really really question that. So I spent uh, a while when we first were getting started, I just spent talking to a lot of senior execs at life companies and helping, helping trying to understand why there's not really a lot of direct consumer term life insurance. And there's a, a lot of structural reasons why, a lot of structures of the industry why, but we decided to go out and try to make it just instant, simple, and smart. So you can go to louderlife.com and buy a policy in five minutes and be done. That's you know, I don't know how many of our listeners have gone through actually buying life insurance. You're filling out a 20 page questionnaire. Then they're yep. sending, then they're sending someone out to your house to give you all kinds of medical exams. Then they're filling Take out, blood, yep. then they're talking yep. to your doctors and doing more work to analyze. Yep. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy process. So how do you get away with not doing all that? Well, you know, Part of it is just the blessings of brand new technology and starting from the ground up. You know, in the industry, some carriers have as high as like 15 to 20% not in good order applications, right? So for us, since we're having a real-time communication with the, with the customer, 
real time, either on their phone, which is actually the majority of where people do it, or online, you know, if something is mistyped or looks incorrect, you know, they have a chance to correct it right then. So from day one, 100% of our applications have been in good order. And then what they do is they permission us to go pull data on them, right? It's the same thing as just like them permissioning in the old world for them to go talk to your doctor, right? Which is what they do. So we go out there and we just pull all the data digitally. And what we do is we then, as we pull it, we can make a decision instantly. So for the customer, you don't have to apply, wait six to eight weeks, see what price you're actually going to get because they quote you and then they will give you like a binding quote and then you can bind and then you have to go through this whole issuance process, which by itself, in and of itself is hugely complex and expensive to administer. So we can just do that all instantly. We can come through, you can apply, we can give you your real price. This is exactly what it's going to cost you. You can say yes, you can sign and be done. Five minutes from 100000 to $8 million, which is the high end of the kind of the term market from 10 to 30 years. And customers just are delighted. One of the things I think is I, I'm really proud of is our net promoter score, which is kind of, will you tell your friends about us? Our NPS is, is 83, which is like right up there with beloved brands. You know, the life insurance industry as a whole is 26 because they make it really kind of hard and complex for a lot of good reasons. But, you know, our policy admin system isn't different from our agency system, isn't different from our quoting system, isn't different from our illustration system. Like we just have one clean tech stack where we can do everything and that allows it to be instant. And what's really cool is we can then, we have APIs, which are like ways other software programs to our software program, we can take our APIs and put them out into places where life insurance is really relevant to them. So we partner actually with a lot of other insurance companies and we partner with a lot of other financial service companies where they can then offer life insurance to their customers in partnership with us. And they love it because it's persistency glue. That auto line is going to stick around a lot longer if they also have your life, life policy with you. And same thing for for other other financial products. That's awesome. I mean, great great insight. And you know, I did go through your your questionnaires as part of this, and it's it's also important. I think what y'all built from a user experience perspective. You talk about your net promoter scores, and certainly Thank every you. tech company, every tech company on the planet talks about NPS. But uh, NPS is really driven by the user experience and and how mm-hmm. easy it is or difficult it is to use the product. And this is it's, it's quite easy, which is really nice. And so I, I think that's something else to to really consider. Uh, Rob, hey, Jamie, it's such a pleasure to have you on. As James mentioned, you know we we come from more of a, a PNC background and angle, so I'm thrilled to to have you on to kind of bring the life insurance perspective. So a lot of questions, limited amount of time, but uh, the first Thanks, thing. Rob is I actually literally got a question. I, I get a question all the time. I, I got it again this week. I, I was on a, a webinar and I tend to stumble through it, but you're the authority. Yeah. So I kind of well, want to Okay, let's see. A lot of buzz about InsureTech. Obviously, our podcast sure. is built around that. And there's a lot of, you know, I could go on and on, right? Telematics, IoT, blockchain, mm-hmm. so like lots of stuff. But a lot of it is in PNC. And so the question I get all the time, hey, Rob, when is this going to come to health insurance and, and specifically life insurance? And people kind of point to life insurance as like the last segment that they expect to be <laughs> disrupted through technology. So, you know, you've kind of given us a, a, a glimpse a little bit, certainly, you know, compelling value proposition that you're offering at Ladder relative to the traditional industry. But maybe you can just go a little bit deeper and like, what are some of those tech opportunities? You talked about a clean sheet of paper sure. and it, you, you talked about not trying to 
you know, super glue and, and duct tape a bunch of different, you know, disparate systems together and whatnot. But maybe you can, you know, let us under the hood a little bit. And what were some sure. of those key things from a tech standpoint that you had to get right in order to enable your value prop? There's a lot and there's a lot of complexity. I'll just, I mean, I can go a thousand different ways. I'll just give you maybe two different kind of key insights. Number one is we have one data layer, one data lake. So that allows us to have a really good NPS for our customer because as you're going through our website, we can track very easily in the data layer, like where you're getting confused, what are you having to go back and revise? Should, so then we can isolate that and have a conversation. It's like, do we need to revise those questions? Or people find that confusing. We can then reach out to customers and say, hey, listen, we saw that you, know, you were confused by this. How do we, how can we make this better? Data and data visibility is critical. Insurance is a data and probabilities game, right? So better data, better customer experience, you can have better underwriting results, you can go down the list, all those things. A lot of the systems we have to interact with for, let's say, pulling underwriting data are not made for real-time, instantaneous customer experience. So we will always say, hey, we give you an instant decision and we're instant. And we'll talk to a lot of data vendors like, we're instant too. I'm like, great, what do you mean? They're like, we will give you a return within 15 minutes. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're talking milliseconds. If I make someone wait more than really, than you know, 75 milliseconds, they get distracted, right? You can't put a spinner up there for 15 minutes. It just doesn't work. So you have to actually do a lot of really hard tech to take things that can take up to 15 minutes feel instant and delightful and being able to do some really cool things. So we had to work some of those vendors too, 15 minutes, there's no amount of tech can solve that problem. But some other problems you can solve, solve, solve creatively. But it all always comes back to the consumer. And really just talk to the end customer. You know, what are you trying to achieve? Like, what do you need? Because this is a product, what's cool about life insurance, people say it like needs to be sold. No one, no one understands it. It's actually, we do a lot of surveying. So if you're a friend, we ask this question indirectly because you get a better answer. If your friend has a kid, do you think that they should have life insurance? You know, what do you think the answer is? The answer is like 95% of people say, absolutely. And we go, great, what is life insurance? And they actually can properly define it. So this is not a customer education problem, right? This is not, this is not an education problem. It's an activation problem. So we got to be able to have people take what they know is right and put it into action. And that's what, what we've been you know, really working on hard at Ladder to make the technology easy. Yeah, I, I love that. And I want to follow up on that because that was actually my next question about yeah. you know, exactly like you said, life insurance is sold, not bought. I think that we kind of under, we hear that all the time right in this industry. Yeah. And so you just kind of said, no, that's actually not the case. We talked about your I don't, great I don't know a single salesman who ever thought it wasn't their great sales skill that made the, that made the product sell. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Right. That, that's a guy in a barber. Do I need a haircut today? <laughs> I've not heard many barbers be like, no, you're good. That is very true. Very, very true. So tell me a little bit about actually, you know, your name ladder and this concept of laddering, yeah. how people's sure. needs of life insurance kind of evolve over time. Cause I do think that is part of the education, right? Going from yeah. term life and you just need that basic the protection that that you know your dad passing away you know at, at, at a young age being able to protect uh, you and your family members right all the way to that kind of whole life and, and you know, variable annuities like that's where it kind of gets complicated when you have some of those more investment sides to, to life insurance so just tell us a little bit about laddering and what that concept is sure well 
I'll tell you about laddering and the concept, which is, you know, before ladder, and partly because of these policy management systems, partly because of how the policies were written, they would tell you a block of insurance, like say a million dollars of insurance, and it would be static for 30 years, right? And your needs, needs may change. You may have a second kid. Those needs may go up. You may get a bigger mortgage. Those needs may go up. You know what? Those kids may be through college. You may have paid off the mortgage or half the mortgage. So we designed a policy that has no policy fees, right? Because we're just ministering it digitally. It doesn't cost me a lot to run my servers. So it's no fee. And you can, anytime you want, come in and press the down arrow or the up arrow, right? You press the down arrow, you cut your policy in half. Your premium goes down by half that day, right? And you get rebated whatever prorated amount for the month is, right? So we wanted to put the power really at the end customer because they know how their needs are changing. We give them a lot of calculators and tools. And we can expose that also to our partners through APIs because they'll see if those mortgage balances change if they're rocket mortgage, for example. And that allows customers to, to do this. In the old world, it was very, very difficult to build insurance ladders and you had to build them statically, right? Where you got underwritten at a point of time and it was very, very difficult and quite expensive to do. So we just made it all digital and instant so that now you can adjust your life insurance. And for most customers, they'll save about 40% over the lifetime if they aren't over-insured for periods where they don't need to be, which is great because most people are doing exactly what they're doing, right? They're, they get a big life insurance policy to make sure their kids are taken care of, but they're paying for those kids as they go. So when they graduate, you know, when your 11-year-old James turns, you know, 22 and she's off on her own, has got her first job, like you don't need that life insurance policy to, you know, to get her launched in life. Right. Cause you've already launched her. Yeah, I agree completely. I, I noticed something interesting when I was going through it. And again, back to the concept of laddering. Yep. I do CD ladders, right? I, yeah, I, I, totally. I do. I, I, it, again, this is mirrored after another financial product. Yeah. I, I ladder my CDs. So they're all ones always maturing and rolling, I'm always laddering. Rolling maturities. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm on rolling maturities. I noticed when I was applying for ladder, there's a question, will the coverage, by the way, you don't ask for the customer's name until way later in the process, which I found really interesting that you don't get, yeah. you don't get into the personal information until much later in the application. And it said, will the coverage applied for replace or change any existing life insurance or annuity contract? If you say yes, it literally stops you and doesn't let you proceed. It said yeah. ladder is not here to replace insurance. It said, you know, the specific message was ladder is not available as replacement insurance. So you, you are here to truly stack insurance on top of whatever product that they currently have. Yeah. We're not in the business of trying to rip out what you have and, and, and resell it. There's a lot of technical issues around it to really put the customer at the center. Like you got to know what they have and how much and everything else. So we just like, listen, if, if that's what you need, we're probably not the best place for you, but if you're looking to grow, like we're, we're it for you. So, but you know, I think at some point we may be doing some more of that. We're just, this is just day one for us. So we're, we're, we're going to try to bring our innovation to every one of the, every one of the insurance lines and life insurance. It's, it's interesting to me. Walk, walk me through again, the tech of yeah. this, because the, sure. in, in the, in the home insurance business, we're seeing, you know, rapid, write, Rapid underwriting because the public yeah. databases are so good, but there is no, yeah. Despite all the efforts from 2008 and Obamacare to, to create central health records, there is no such concept as a central health record for an individual. It doesn't mm -hmm. exist. The closest thing yep. to it is your, your record in the nearest hospital that, that uses Epic because Epic is so so Very pervasive. Turner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And 
And so there is no common centralization of of the medical record system. In fact, most record, medical records are still faxed because they they, yep. they 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 falsely believe that somehow they're more secure faxing, even though even though all the faxes end up going to email, which is hilarious. W- walk me through how you're pulling everybody's medical records and making like how, what's what's yeah. your fraud? What is your fraud mitigation? What technology are you using to mitigate fraud on this? You know, versus the the average life insurer. So let's get insure tech geeky. Fraud and underwriting are actually two different vectors. So first, what I'm trying to do is understand, like, are you trying to pick me off, trying to lie to me, trying to falsify your information? That fraud vector is different than what I think your underlying uh, impairment or risk is, right? So we we build our own both fraud and, and underwriting models that can help you understand fraud. Now we have thankfully industry leading claims rates and very, very, very low levels of fraud, partly designed because of the product design. Someone's got to die to claim here, right? You got to be pretty committed to fraud, but people can underrepresent and do other things. So, so we, we spend a lot of time on our technology trying to make sure that people are really being truthful. And you can do a lot of that through consumer design, right? Through a little bit of behavioral economics, how you ask the questions, how you prompt it, right? How you talk about this to people. Because the vast, vast, vast majority want to just get a life insurance policy and want to make sure it pays. So we talked to them about like, who are your beneficiaries? What are the relationships with them you have with them? And that really prompts people to be much more truthful. So, but we do have to build some different fraud models. It's on a different vector than how we do some of our underwriting models. And our underwriting models, there's a bunch of different, there's a bunch of different FCRA, which is a type of data, FCRA qualified medical databases where consumers will consign consent and say, I'd rather you check those than go get a fax for my, for my doctor. So we'll, we'll go then and check those and make sure that it aligns with what people are saying. And since we have, are doing this in real time, if we see something that's different, we can ask them, hey, this is different. And sometimes they're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot I had a sinus infection and whatever. Right? And you're like, oh, okay, it was a sinus infection. No big deal. Great. So I, I, we, only have, we only have six minutes left, but I, I, I do right. want to – I want to talk about customer acquisition costs. I'm sure. Because CAC eats – so many new companies up because the you know if CAC exceeds LTV you're hosed right I mean if, yep. it, if it, it gets anywhere close to exceeding LTV you're hosed I mean you got to yeah, make sure. money at some point on every account CAC I did cash payback if LTV takes you a long time you can run out of cash before you collect collect all your premiums so correct so yeah. you got to manage both cash and because that's the only reason you go bankrupt is you run yeah. out of cash you got to you got to both cash and and an LTV to CAC yeah and you that, are talking measure that stuff religiously. And you're talking to a militant bootstrapped entrepreneur. So I started JB Knowledge. We, okay. we're, a two, we're, we're a 200, 240 employee company. We started with 5,000 bucks in my dorm room 20 years ago. So it's, it's, oh, that's a, awesome. so we, and, and we never took outside capital. So in, in, in my company, cash is king, cash is king and cash is king. You know, it's, 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 it's challenging. And of course we're services and products and, you know, spinning up a product company without, without outside capital is very challenging. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. And it just so you know long. cash. I didn't I know, know cash. I was to someone who's. Yeah, I know. I know cash six ways to Sunday because I had to finance all of our product development. Of course, when we, of course, the beautiful thing when you exit, which we did in 2018, we sold one of our products. It's it's a wonderful event because there's no investors at the table with you, but it's yeah. it's it, it also means that it's very scary along the way. 
and uh, and and CAC is CAC CAC can be really scary. I, I I spent some time Googling life insurance. Just buy life insurance, purchase life insurance, buy life insurance online now. In my searches, and of course Google's very deterministic about how it shows ads. I didn't see any ads for ladder in the mix. I I saw and I just give you who my my top results were on a regular basis when searching. Geico, Prudential, Nerd Wallet, Policy Genius, Money Under 30, State Farm, Allstate, Investopedia, and Forbes. That that's your first page results. You're in the mix with some of the biggest companies and biggest websites on the world. How yeah. are you getting people to find out? Uh, obviously, other than going on some phenomenal podcasts like the InsureTech Geek, <laughs> yeah, how, exactly. how how are you getting the masses? Because you sell personal lines. How are you getting the masses to buy insurance without getting blown out of the water on your Google ad budget? Oh, listen, this is great. I, I said what part of our competitive advantage is our data lake. It's our data lake. Like we measure everything super closely. So yeah. Buy life insurance now. You have two problems with it. It's a really expensive click. doesn't convert very well. And actually, the risk is terrible. So you actually get hit really hard on both sides. Some of those other people who are advertising there, they're not measuring it the same way we are, right? We're measuring it in a very specific, precise way. We're looking for getting great customers who underwrite well and say yes to policies and stick around, right? Because that drives your LTV. And then you just got to measure that and balance that against your CAC. So we advertise probably every single direct measurable performance way you can advertise. And, you know, we're pretty, we're pretty relentless about it because that is part of our business. But, you know, a lot of people who are just agencies are just looking for leads, right? And they don't have visibility into risk quality. They don't have visibility into, do we think there's an underwriting profit here or not? Because they're getting paid just the same percent premium regardless, so not only do they have not visibility into it, they're actually actively disincented to look at that by the carriers. They say, don't worry about that. I, I got that. You just, wh- whatever you got, as long as I say yes, this is like the fixed rate you get, right? So our advantage is we have an integrated view. So where some people are going to find really attractive business if they're an agency only, we don't like. Some things we find very, very attractive, other agencies would be like, oh, we don't like that. Right. For all different types of reasons, whether it's risk margin or other things. So it's because we're looking and doing things really differently. And again, we can cause people to take action. And, you know, the single biggest thing that's going to affect your CAC is your funnel efficiency. And I will tell you, if I can take you through, have you say yes and bind in five minutes, my funnel is going to be more efficient than yours. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's kind of what I wanted to understand is it's it's daunting, I think, looking at anything in personal lines and trying to edge in. On uh, on all the on the, all the heavies that are there yeah. dumping billions of dollars in ad budgets, and of course Rob talks about this at length in his book about the cost cost of acquiring customers and insurance. Yeah. But it's uh, it's daunting. Rob, take us home. What's your last uh, your last question? Yeah, so I, I love it. I'm I'm nodding vigorously. Jamie is you know lifelong underwriter and always wondering what are those marketing guys doing? Why are they sitting yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So I I appreciate that those two sides of the organization don't always communicate and, and don't always talk, and it very much should be a hand in glove fit. So very quickly, because I know we are uh, running up against the time, you know, just to kind of follow up on this distribution thread. You mentioned the API. Yeah. You've got information yeah. on Ladder for Advisors, Affiliates, and yeah. Ladder at Work programs. So maybe you can just give sure. us a very high-level overview of some of those distribution channels and how they work. Absolutely. So our goal is to 
is wherever you're thinking about your personal or financial life, we want to be there. And we want to be there if, you, if it's relevant for having a life insurance conversation. We can go out and have that conversation with you directly through an ad, Google or Facebook. We can do it through a partner. So we partner with financial institutions like a SoFi where you know, you're there managing your financial life. We work with a lot of fee-only advisors really love working with us because as they engage with their customer over time and see that their financial needs change, they can easily, through our API or through our, our web portal, see, hey, does the customer have a life insurance policy enforced with ladder? What's the current, what's the next premium amount? What's the current face amount? And that can, they can actually pull that into some of their planning software. So like while a lot of traditional companies, they don't expose APIs into planning software companies, like we're very happy to do that. Because what we're trying to do is, again, if an advisor has a great trust relationship, that's awesome. We want that to be, want that to be used for the customer. We want to be everywhere that, that, that is. Because we're, fundamentally, we're just trying to really redeem this product, modernize it, and make it really instant, simple, and smart for people to use. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's a, a, been a, a pleasure having you on, Jamie. Really appreciate being able to talk life insurance with you. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, James. Sorry, the bluebells aren't out. You know, it is, they are flowering up and we, we got some great mustard flowering up in Sonoma, right? Sonoma. I, <laughs> I my, 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 we, I've, I've done many trips to Napa and uh, that it was killer through COVID not to be able to go up and enjoy the wine country and hang out up there. It's uh, Sonoma and Napa are just one of my favorite places on the planet. Uh, I have a, I have a set of clothing I really only wear there. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like my, it's like my wine tasting uniform. Uh, wow. I love it, man. I just love it. it, makes, it like, yeah, I, I, no, no chapeau, no chapeau. It's just, uh, it's all, it's all linen, you know, and I got all, all this stuff and I, and I just kind of traipse around in a, in a wine, hey, why you own linen in Texas? In, in a wine induced fog, you know, it's like. <laughs> I, I and I I have this stupid smile plastered on my face the entire time I'm there because you know it's just so ridiculously nice. But a lot, uh, of, oh, a lot of joy. What a what a great what a great place and what a great guy, man. Jamie, thank you for being on. I appreciate it. You know, maniacs are people too, and uh, you know that's what's always. <laughs> I, if you don't know, if someone from Maine, you know, let we I, I learned that when I lived in Boston, they would say I'm a maniac. I'm from Maine, and uh, us. It always tripped me out. My most fun, fun time I ever had in Maine, I did a clam bake on the beach uh, oh, in Maine. Good living. Oh, that was good living. That is good living. As long, it's like barbecue in Texas. It is good living. It's good living. As long as it's in the summer, it's good living. So <laughs> so thank you for being on the day. And Rob, as always, thank you. for Absolutely, James. Great to be with you. And, and listener land, thank you out there for joining us for this episode of the InsureTech Geek Podcast powered by JB Knowledge, jbknowledge.com. It's all about tech that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. I've been your host, James Benham, jamesbenham.com with co-host Rob Galbraith, endofinsurance.com. Big thanks to Jim Greenlee, our podcast producer, Kara Daltonara, our creative producer. And thank you for joining us today. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech. So enjoy the ride and geek out. Talk to you next week. Sweet.